0: Ade was not up here um, so I want to kind of tell you why she obviously is expecting a child right so she's at that point where she needs to focus on that and, and dedicate her time t- toward that so uh, we're, we we want to thank God and of course uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens afterwards she'll have her hands really full with three kids but we do want to thank God for her faithfulness and her service to the Lord she's she's a wonderful lady and she has a wonderful family. And so we thank God for the, what God's doing in her life right now. Amen. So I'm going to have you open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Or you can just look at what we're going to consider today in, um, in on the screen. It's going to be up there. So um, Ephesians 6. And I'm going to be at verse number 10 and I think today I'm just going to read to about the first part of 14. Um, and then uh, the rest of this we'll cover next couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe next week we'll finish. Uh, just depending on how it goes, right? I mean, I don't know how fast the Lord wants me to go. So I think I might as well, uh, as we do here, uh, go uh, sometimes, uh, you know, not just verse by verse, but sometimes word by word, depending on where we're at in the passage, right? So um, if you don't mind standing with and hopefully yeah, you'll see it on the screen. I notice it says our spiritual warfare. This section's about, about our our uh our spiritual battles, our warfare. And uh specifically at the beginning here, uh Paul's gonna allude to the need for us to be strong. So that's uh that's pretty much the theme. And so let's look at it uh and read it first uh from uh verse ten of Ephesians six. It says finally Take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, and you'll see um, the uh, the last part of verse fourteen. I think went uh, stand therefore. I'm going to stop right there. And Father, thank you for your Word again. Thank thank you for this time. To dig in a little bit to see, Lord, what you would have to say to us. Give us understanding, Lord. Give us uh, the ability to, uh, to see the big picture. And uh, also, Lord, to be able to accommodate uh, that into our thinking, into our lifestyle. To be aware, Lord, um, that you're our strength. To be aware, Lord, that we, we need you. To, we need to depend on you. That you're the one, Lord, who has already won the battle for us. And we need to stick tight to you. Uh, in this spiritual warfare that we're in, so we thank you, Lord. Ask your blessing, your protection, uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, there's kind of a little bit of an outline here. I'll give you uh, from verse ten to, to the end of the chapter. Uh, from verse ten to twelve, it's it's going to this passage is going to talk to us about our the fight we're in. You know, we're in a we're in a fight. From verse thirteen to seventeen. Uh, which we'll probably cover next week. It's the, the equipment we use. Okay, so since we're in a battle, right? Spiritual warfare. Don't we have some kind of equipment we're supposed to use? And having uh, gone to a baseball game this uh, week. Uh, you know, if it, the players out there have equipment, don't they? They have, uh, some of it is protective equipment, right? Like a helmet. I mean, I don't know if you've ever st- stood in a batter's box. And had a hundred mile an hour pitch come at you, uh, that's kind of scary to think that it could hit you in the head, and that would be dangerous in some cases, uh, very dangerous. So, what do they wear? A helmet, right? Now, you know, I'm sure they don't go up there, and um, <laughs> anyone can correct me. When they go to stand in the batter's box, hi, Linda. I'm sure they're not standing there in their flip flops. They, what kind of shoes are they wearing? Cleats. Because they got to dig in, right? To be able to respond and react. Uh, they also have a uniform they wear that's uh, uh, you know, compatible with, with what they're doing out there. And some, some of them have, if you notice when they're batting, they'll put on extra protection like um, guards on their arms or elbows because the ball can hit there first. So what I'm trying to show you, what I'm trying to tell you today is that that we have a battle we're in, but we also have uh, God's provision of equipment. And the uh, official word would be armor, because this is a military uh, idea here. But before we get into uh, more of that, let's look at verse 10 and what Paul has to say. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So again... In the Lord and in the strength of His might. Our strength is in the Lord. We're to be strengthened by the Lord. That's the idea that we're supposed to have. And the way he starts off by saying finally. Well obviously he's in the last, last chapter, the last part of his letter. And he's t- uh, Paul is trying to tie everything together. After all that he's written in this letter for Christians. Specifically in our walk, because remember, he's describing to us how we should walk, how we should live. Uh, He's kind of wrapping up this letter. And he's trying to encourage the Ephesian believers to be strong. Okay. Um, To be strong means the opposite of to be fearful. To be strong means opposite to be cowardice. To be strong is the opposite of, of not facing or ignoring the battle that's sitting right in front of us. But to be strong means that we're aware that that's, that's where we're at. That's our place in this spiritual warfare. It's part of the journey, right? So we're to be strong and the Lord. And I've thought about this a lot. And uh, the conclusion here is that in order to be strong in the Lord, in order for us to, uh, to be able to um, find His strength and tap into that, it requires trust. You, you, can't, you can't have access to God's strength without trust. Or uh, basically we can wrap up in saying this requires faith. Faith, it's action on our part. We're aware that we're in a spiritual battle and we're aware that the spiritual battle that's raging is, it's greater than we are. Our enemy is powerful, but he's, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's not our battle, right? Everything that has been said here is so that we can walk in, in, a, in a way to where we learn to tap into his strength. If, we're going to do this, if we try to do this on our own, we're going to be defeated. Guaranteed. And uh, we have to learn how to shift. So if we're going to be strong in the Lord, it's going to require faith. And we see this in the book of Joshua. Give me a second just to talk about uh, what happened back there. Moses had died. The, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. And uh, their first attempt to go into the promised land and claim uh, what was theirs, God had promised that he would give it to them. They, they, they were fearful. And so he did not allow that generation that had no faith, that was faithless. He did not allow that generation to go in. So he waited till anyone above 40, uh, 20 would, had died. And all those below, from 20 below continued to live. So it was 40 years later, he allows them to go in. Moses dies and Joshua takes over leadership of Israel. And so, before they enter into the promised land to take a hold of what's theirs, what God had promised them, that's why it's called the promised land, right? He says to them three times uh, by verse 9 in chapter 1. So, in, in, in nine verses, he says three times that is, Joshua says three times to Israel be strong and courageous, do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, like, like don't faint. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what's our strength? Or what is it that allows us to be courageous and, and not frightened or, or, or want to faint in the midst of this great battle? It's the fact that we know that He's with us. That's the only reason. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with us, what? Trusting the Lord that He's with us. Where is He when He's with us? Wherever we go. You see that? That's in uh, Joshua 1 nine. for the, all of you that are wanting to take notes. I, I can see some of you are scribbling away. Right? Let me say this about faith. I've come to understand uh, uh, my years of being a Christian. When we try to like look at the ingredients of faith. And there's been a lot of attempts to do so. Like faith is uh, this much uh, of this and that and the other thing. And, and we try to get real creative. But I come to the conclusion that faith is about 90% of it is courage. I don't know what the other 10% are, is. All the rest of that stuff that people want to write about. What, faith, you know, what the ingredients are of faith. It take, it's 90% courage. And that courage comes from being strong. And that courage comes from knowing that God is with us wherever we go. If you, can't, if you, get, if you don't get that part right, that God is with us wherever we go. Say, well, why is He allowing this to happen? I don't know. And what I've learned, though, is that wherever He puts us in difficult situation, it's to help to, uh, to grow. It's to help us grow, never to destroy us. But we must keep our eyes on who? On Christ, right? Now, uh, another example of the Bible uh, being strong and courageous. Another example of not being f- afraid, right? And uh, feeling like fainting or, 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 you know, running away from, from, from the circumstances. Because a lot of us, what we'll do instead of facing the battle, we just deny it or we just run from it. And that's never going to be helpful. Well, so you guys remember the story of David and Goliath, that Philistine giant? David was like a puny little 17-year-old. He didn't have muscles, but he did have understanding that the Lord was with him. So when the Philistines uh, were lined up against Israel in a battlefield, uh, there was this one Philistine, Goliath. He was massive. He was huge. I think uh, if you take the measurements, he was like almost eight feet, eight foot tall. He was like he was like Shaquille O'Neal and then some. Huge man. They, and every, he was mocking the armies of the Lord. He goes, "What are you guys going to do? Nothing." And basically, David shows up, and he determined that. Well, wait a minute. Who is this? Who is this Philistine? This. He, he says this. Uh, dog is what he called him. His Philistine dog. Who is this uh, Gentile? Which means, who is this person that doesn't even belong to, to the family of God, to the kingdom of God? Who is he that mocks, that he's mocking this way? So he says something in 1 Samuel seventeen forty seven, And he says, and, all, and, and that all this assembly may know. Remember, he's in front of this huge crowd of people and two armies. He's standing in the middle as this giant mocks not only Israel, but the God of Israel. And he's standing in the middle of this battlefield. All these people, these thousands of people and soldiers and and warriors. So he says, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear. He said, hey, I see all your armor. I see all the gear you have. But I'm going to let you know God doesn't save by that By those means, he says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. And we do learn and discover later that what David did is he was really good with a slingshot. He just went and got a round rock, like a river rock and probably had it in a pouch. He had his ammunition, if you will. And he's sitting there and he starts swinging it. And the, other, and the Goliath is literally laughing and mocking and going. You, the, 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 the difficult thing too is in the story, the, the sword and all of the gear that Saul, the king, put on David was too big for him. It like would weigh him down. It's like wearing an extra large shirt and your size small. So he just said, hey, I don't need this stuff. I'm going to go out there. The battle belongs to who? To the Lord. so he he winds up his slingshot, and lo and behold, when he lets it go, it finds a spot on the helmet, and it literally penetrates his forehead, and down goes Frazier. I'm sorry, down goes Goliath. Down goes Goliath. And the armies of the Lord celebrate. But what was his secret? What did he know? Just like Joshua, We can be courageous. We can be strong. We we don't need to faint because the Lord is with us wherever we go. You're not alone. And David says, hey, I don't know about anything except that God doesn't save or He won't rescue us using swords and spears, but the battle is His. The very interesting secret here and the key Christian victory is understanding the battle belongs to the Lord and that He's always with us. The battle has been won already on the cross at Calvary for the Christian. He already defeated the death. He already defeated Satan when he raised from the dead on that resurrection morning. So we, we don't need to fight like on our own. We need to stand in Christ who's already won The victory for us. Paul says this in Romans 8.37. No in all these things. And he had mentioned a bunch of things. He says we are more than conquerors. Well I know it's one thing to be a conqueror. Right? But how how can you be more than a conqueror? Because there's more blessing beyond just conquering. And he says. And how is this possible? Romans 8.37. No in all these things. We are more than conquerors. Through him, referring to Jesus, who loved us. So it comes all the way back around that the reason that we can be strong, the reason that we can have courage, the reason that we can face the battles that are in front of us is that we realize that God is with us, number one, and that the battle that we may be in, the test that we might be in, the trial that we might be in, the illness or sickness that we might be in, the challenges and difficulties that we might be in, the struggles that we might be in, they're not ours to do anything about. The Lord has already Won the battle for us. Ours is to stand in Christ by faith. To just stay where you are in Christ. Where is our position? In Christ. And how do we get in Christ? By faith. By believing. Do I want to be in Christ? Then you believe in your heart. Confess that He is Lord. That He rose from the dead. Because that's what gave Him the victory. And you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Believe in who and what Jesus did for us. That's where we find victory. So spiritual warfare in this passage, it presents two, kind of like two parts to this. There are two essential, um, uh, I guess you could use the word components. Number one, that we must be strong in the Lord. See how it says? Finally, above, above all things, in conclusion is what Paul is saying. Now that I've said all the stuff that I've said for six chapters, you know, That we've been doing it now for months. All that leads us to one conclusion. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. That's the first part. Then, notice verse 11. Then you put on what? The whole armor of God. It doesn't say put on the whole armor of God and then be strong. Because you could put the whole armor of God on a weakling and it's of no use. Right? What good is to put on... This equipment, right, Good. if you're not able to bear it, you can't handle it, it's too heavy for you. This uh, sword that they wore, these shoes that they wore, this breastplate that they wore, this helmet that they wore, all this equipment, if you put it on a weakling, you still have a weakling. Alright, you guys are going to have to forgive me, I'm going to get a little bit, uh, maybe my example doesn't work, but I say it all the time. We all know. We all notice that sometimes there are athletes who make a huge amount of money because they know how to throw a ball. Now that has nothing to do with and say about uh, their uh, other qualities or characteristics. The fact that they just throw a ball. So here's what I like to say, because sometimes they get really, really, really rich and they waste it. So here's, what, here's, how, here's how I want to put it. You can put this amazing gear or equipment on a weakling and what do you still have? A weakling. You can give an idiot money and what do you still have? An idiot with money. That's all. Nothing changed. You just, same person with all these resources. Obviously wasted. You can put all kinds of gear on the Christian. So pastor, why do you spend so much time like digging and getting us to understand this stuff and pounding it and going over it and then sometimes you're extra. I mean, kind of, we get it already. Do you? Because if you, you don't really get it already unless you live it. You, I can talk about it and we can say we heard it, but what about putting it into practice? So, We've got to be strong in the Lord first. There's only one way to do that. And that is to know Him and to know His Word and to trust Him and to have all our faith deposited in Him. We're all in or we're not. That's how this works. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not with some, all. Commitment. Now, you can fight your battles on your own. You have that choice. You can play the Christian and say that you trust the Lord when you know you really don't. And what you'll find is you'll be beat up by Satan and you'll be defeated and you'll live in this vicious circle of going nowhere. Well, actually you will. You'll regress. You'll go backwards. So as a Christian who's aware of God's ways, you have a choice to make. It's either one in which you find yourself in Christ by faith and trust Him and, and lean into Him and His power or you think you can do it alone. You think you can win the battles because you're so smart. <laughs> because you're, you're smarter than the rest of us. And then you start getting into other issues that are never ever going to go away. And you may be sitting here wondering why you're still in the same place you've always been or worse. Because you're not trusting in the Lord. You're not living in His strength. Especially because we have come to understand we're in a spiritual battle. This is a battleground when you're a Christian, not a playground. And I know that sounds very direct, but it's true. And you can thank me later that I have at least today... And that's my only option, is to have strength today. I don't know about tomorrow. I'm going to trust the Lord for tomorrow. I don't know what I have to face tomorrow. Do you? But we can do it now. So basically then, we're to first be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then we're to put on the whole armor of God. You'll notice that. So finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So why do we want to have this armor? Why do we want to be strong? Because of the fact that we have an enemy. We have an adversary. You guys see that? Why are we doing this? Why, are, why do we need to be strong? Why do we need to have his strength? Why do we need to put on this armor, dress ourselves with his, his armor? You know, why do I got to step into the batter's box and wear a helmet and cleats? And the right kind of equipment to protect me against a hundred mile an hour fastball. Because if I don't, I could get hit in the head and it could kill me. If I don't have the cleats, I could slip and slide uh, uh, trying to get out of the way or trying to be firm. We watched it, Sam and I at a baseball game the other day. It says, the equipment matters. The athlete matters too though. But the right equipment. And that's what God has given us. And so, What is the point of the armor? What is the point of being strong in the Lord in this spiritual warfare? That we might be able to what? Stand. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to get you off your feet. He wants to knock you down. He wants to knock you out. Using sporting analogies. Right? So I want to be able to stand. And so stand specifically against what? Schemes. That's an interesting word. I looked it up in the Greek. The word in the Greek actually is methodia. Methodia. What does it sound like in our English? Methods. So that we might be able to stand against the methods of who? Of the devil, our adversary. You mean he has methods? Oh, yes, he does. You know what makes a devil powerful? Not that he's the devil, per se. Listen carefully. There's a saying in Spanish. And I don't know if it goes well in English, but I'll try. He's the devil not necessarily because he's the devil. He's the devil because he's an old devil. What, what does an old devil know? Everything. He knows all the what? Schemes. He knows all the methods. He's shrewd. He's subtle. He's, a, he's like wily e. Coyote. Right? See, people want to see the devil as this fictionist cartoon, red man with horns and a pitched fork in his hand and a tail, and then say, oh, I know the devil. I would, never want, I would never hang out with him. But the problem is he never comes at us in that form. He comes to us as an angel of light. He comes to us as a lamb. He pretends to be what he's not. And if we don't have knowledge of the word, and and, and we're not close to the Lord, and have spiritual discernment, which comes from the Holy Spirit, He's going to use His schemes against us. So I looked at this a little more carefully. Methods is the actual word. But it could mean also, if we look at the synonymous words, words that mean the same thing, it could mean tactics, it could mean strategies. That's the word they use in Spanish. It could mean devices. He has devices that He can use against us, right? He has moves. He moves in ways that are usually accompanied with trickery and deception. We don't even know that He's doing it. That's how good He is. So that's why we need to be strong in the Lord and have the full armor of God on. That's why we need to put it on. See what that says there in verse 11? See, he knows your weak points. You don't even know your weak points. He knows them. He also knows not just your weak points, but he knows when to attack. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he went there to be tempted by the devil. And every time the devil came at him, he responded and he reacted by quoting the scriptures correctly because the Satan would take him out of context. Oh, you see, you're hungry. I I bet you are. 40 days and 40 nights without eating, fasting. Hey, you know, the Bible says that you could that the Messiah could speak to a rock and turn it into bread. And man, I bet you, I bet you you're hungry. And so he played on his weakness. And what did he say? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And for three times he attempted. So here, the analogy is that, uh, used there by uh, the, the writers of the Gospels, is that Jesus uh, would, like punched back with the word and, and is like a boxer and it, he punched back a, th- a second time and then he punched back a third time and then he it says Satan withdrew left and that is the boxing analogy that was used from the Greek we lose that in the English or Spanish is that the enemy when we defend ourselves with God's word and we're in his strength and we have the right armor on which one of the one of the armors we have is a sword, which is compared to the Word of God. We'll see that later. But what did the enemy do? He backed off. And he, fl- he fled, exactly. He left. Like a boxer, goes in, didn't work. Goes in, didn't work. Goes in, didn't work. So then he backs up a little bit. Try to regather a strategy. Let me see what I can do. And he would come back later. So we have an adversary. He's, he's deceptive. He has schemes. He has tactics. He's subtle and shrewd. Right? And he's ruthless. And he will attack us at our weakest point. So that's why we need to put on the whole armor of God. So he goes on then, Paul, to talk about the, in verse 12, you can see it up there. Do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This isn't a physical battle. It's not against people. Although people can be used by the enemy. It's not against physical kingdom here on earth. It's against spiritual kingdoms. The, spirit, the spiritual battle is between darkness of our enemy. The kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of light of our Lord and Savior. So notice what he says here. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So you it's not something you can win because it's spiritual, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There are there is a battle raging in the spiritual realm. So first, uh, rather second Corinthians chapter 10. Almost as the same thing as this is also written by Paul. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, and we are, I mean just grab a hold of yours. Right? We walk in the flesh, we do not war or contend according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. So, in other words, those schemes God wants to pull of our enemy, God wants to pull them down. He casts down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So Paul mentions this battle in another passage that's in Second Corinthians 10 verses three through five. So I started thinking a little bit about this spiritual battle. We understand that then we're in a spiritual battle. Daniel's book shares with us an event in Babylon that took place. And I think it maybe can explain it better. So he was praying because he had read the book of Jeremiah where Jeremiah had prophesied before they went into exile some 70 years earlier. And he was reading in a place where the exile would be 70 years. It would be one year for every jubilee that they didn't observe. So they were supposed to... Work for forty-eight years the land, and on the forty-ninth year, which would be seventy-seven times seven is forty-nine. So every Sabbath jubilee it was a Sabbath year. No, you know, normally they had the Sabbath every seven days. Well, they also had Sabbath years. Every seventh year, they had to rest, not work the land, and they didn't. They kept working it, and it kept producing. So, the Lord said, "I'm going to punish you for every year that you didn't." Every year of Jubilee, which is every 49 years. You didn't cel- celebrate it and rest. And it ended up being for 70 years. 70 years go by and Daniel's saying and reading in Jeremiah. And go, Oh, we should be going back now. Back to Jerusalem. Back to Israel. So he starts praying about it. And he's asking God for an answer about when Israel would return back to, to their promised land And so in verse number 10 of Daniel 10, this, so he's praying, and it says, And behold, a hand touched me, and this hand that touched him was the angel Gabriel. And he set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, Oh Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. So he was praying For now I have been sent to you. So God had heard his prayer and sends his angel. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. This is Daniel saying this. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard that I have come because of your words. So he had been praying. It's going to tell us in a minute how many days he prayed. He had been praying and praying and praying and nothing. No answer. And he goes, hey, I heard, and God heard your prayer the very first day you started praying. How do many of you know that God hears you the first day you start praying about something? But because we don't get our answer right away, what do we usually do? We stop praying. We don't get our answer. Why are we praying? Well, there's a reason why your prayer may not have been answered. Because sometimes God says, no, that may be one. And sometimes he may be saying, wait. And that's what's happening here. So he says to Daniel, Fear not from the very first day that it set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia is not a man. In the spiritual realm, there is a demon called the prince of Persia. The demon called the prince of Persia was fighting with Gabriel. Who had the answer to the prayer on day one. And they fought for 21 days. Look what it says. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Yeah, you want to, back, want to look at this. This is in Daniel 10, 10 through 14. So for 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. A demon. Withstood Gabriel for, for, for three weeks. In the spiritual realm. And he's thinking, man. Why don't God answer my prayers? Well, he had. Except for he was in this sp- And for Gabriel to fate an archangel. To have to fight another de- a demon for 21 day Goes to show you how powerful they are. You say, well, pastor. This is scary stuff. Yeah. That's why you don't want to fight it alone. That's why you want to be in Christ. That's why you want to have the full armor of God. And so, but Michael, ah, who's Michael? Another archangel. He, he, one of the chief princes came to help me. So they needed help. So there's this Michael and Gabriel, these archangels. By the way, it doesn't mention Gabriel's name, but Gabriel was the angel who went to Mary, remember? Gabriel's the angel to Israel. So that's why I'm saying it. It's an unknown Biblical fact. Gabriel was always the messenger to Israel from God. Michael, he's another archangel. He came to help. And then he says, for I was left there with the the kings of Persia. So he was alone at first. And then he got help. And I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is For days yet to come. So he's basically saying this is the answer and he gave it to him. But what happened there these 21 days? Spiritual warfare. God had heard Daniel's prayer and it was a response to prayer that the angel came and showed him what was going to happen. And he would have been there earlier, again, except that he was detained for 21 days by this demon called the Prince of Persia. And so we do not see the warfare. That's waging in the spiritual realm. We don't see it. But we know that according to the scriptures. There's a, there are fierce battles. That are taking place right now. With Satan and his cohorts. Trying to disrupt the will of God. That's why. We need to have. The whole armor of God. And that's why we need to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. We can't. If an archangel needed help to overcome a demon, we don't have a chance. But in the Lord we do. Amen? So, I said all that to bring us back to verse 13. So therefore, being this is the truth, take up the whole arm of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, the days are evil. I don't know if you've noticed lately. Stuff is really strange nowadays. Not like ever before. I'm 63. I've never seen things like I'm seeing them now. And they're weird, which goes to show you they're demonic in nature, what's taking place in the world right now. We see that God sent his angel, and we see here that he's telling us, I haven't left you without the right equipment, I haven't left you without the disposition to be able to fight in this battle. And he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to what? Withstand in the evil day and then having done all. So here's the the secret. I'm going to wrap this up pretty soon. What's our part? What's our part in this battle? Well, to put on the whole armor of God and to be strong and courageous. Yeah, but it's ugly. Yeah, it is. The battle sucks sometimes i know that's not real good for a pastor to say from the pulpit but i'm trying to get your attention we have to do everything we do to withstand to endure to persist that's what he's saying because the, in the evil day not this is not true in the good days if things are good you're just kind of like when things are good you know we're having picnics and parties but when things are, are, are evil, we're fighting. And he says, and then having done all. So what's our part? We do all we can. In the context of being strong in the Lord. And putting on the full armor. We, we do all we can. Which is trusting the Lord. It's all we can do. The spiritual battle, this, this, this enemy that we contend with is way more powerful than we are alone. And I love it, the way it says, and the way it's written here. Having put on, or taken on the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. So having withstood, stand firm, and then he says, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. We take a position. We take our place. What's our place? To stand. And having done everything you can, stand. Don't flee. Don't cower. Don't faint. Stand. You have armor. So Paul is going to draw some spiritual implications here from the, each piece of the armor of a Roman soldier. So you can imagine, and maybe next put a picture of what a Roman soldier looked like. And he has his sword. You know, he has his shield. He has his helmet. He has his boots. He has his breastplate and his loins gathered. In other words, he's dressed to, for battle. And Paul's going to take each piece of the armor to help us understand that God has armor for the battle that we have as Christians. Okay, we'll look at that next week. In the meantime, stand. And then having done all, to stand. Stand. The Lord is with us. Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you. It may seem somewhat basic sometimes when we read these passages, but I think that's how you want it so that we can understand. And we're thankful, Lord, that um, whatever we're going through as families, whatever we're going through as individuals, whatever we're going through as a church, that we're aware, Lord, that we have an adversary, we have an enemy. So we do want to be strong in Christ. We do want to be courageous and brave in Christ. We do want to put on the whole armor that that you've given us so that we might be able to contend and we might be able to stand. But the battle belongs to you. We know that, Lord. Help us to to stay put where we are, and what we have to face. Not to run away or flee or cower or faint. But stand as a church, as families, as individuals that belong to you. We know, Lord, that there are many battles that we're fighting. Some that we didn't even ask for. Some that we may have brought upon ourselves. But most importantly, Lord, we know that we live in a world that is dark. And we know that we have to contend with evil. Help us to stand be strong and we thank you lord and we give you all the honor and glory for the victories that we have won in jesus name amen and amen